I'm aware of the time, ironically, because we're speaking about time today. <laughs> Just to give you some awareness, I brought a, uh, a picture, one of the symbols that we have in our modern day of, a, of time, a calendar. Uh, do you like to use calendars? Mine is on my phone now, so I'm kind of irritated because I can't see it very well on a uh, big, broad page like this. But calendars help us mark time over the course of the year, don't they? They remind us about uh, events, about holidays. In fact, my, my sister's birthday is today, and calendar is helpful, so helpful in reminding us of those longer-term pieces. You notice I have a clock here. And like every good preacher, it's not working. <laughs> so I have no idea what time it is right now or when we're going to end, but uh, this clock might know. But this certainly is a reminder of how uh, our day passes, beginning to end, sunrise to sunset, morning to evening. You're rising up, you're settling back into sleep. One of the things I learned from... Pastor Glenn, before he left, was in the midst of the seminary internship program. I sat through many meetings with students who were finalizing their internships. And in those meetings, I would hear Glenn say a phrase, a couple of phrases he had, because he really thought it was important to teach this to students. And Because one of the natural goals that a student would have is to learn better time management. Isn't that a good goal? We all need to learn to manage time better. But what Glenn would say and encourage them to think about is this, is that in managing time, really we're all given the same 24 hours every single day. That doesn't change. Cal is not given more hours in a day than I'm given. Ken doesn't have more than Tina has. We all have the same number of 24 hours in a day. So it really isn't learning to, to manage time as much as it's learning to manage ourselves. And that, that was helpful to me. Hearing it a third time and a fourth time, I think it finally began to settle in. The idea of managing time and, and even the way cultures approach time is interesting and different. Um, I was struck several years ago when it kind of dawned on me from a Germanic language and people like English stems from a Germanic root. We talk about time and uh, more of as a commodity, kind of like we talk about money. We, how do we describe time? We spend time. If we don't use time well, we are wasting time, right? That's the way a Germanic mind approaches time. How many of you are more like very punctual and love being on time places? Go ahead and raise your hand. You don't have to be ashamed or afraid. About half of us, all right? Now, in other cultures, uh, especially Latin cultures, uh, and you see it in their language, so those languages that have more of a Latin base, they rarely will talk about time in, in, as a sense of commodity, something that's used and spent or wasted. But you, in French at least, you, you talk about how you pass the time. You don't spend time, you pass time. And it really, even in the language, it reveals how a different people might approach uh, language and it might approach time and view it differently. How many of you have a looser relationship with the clock? Go ahead, don't be shy, it's all right. So, almost half, so we're almost evenly divided. Uh, I, I know that one thing for us is that time and, and our, our relationship to time is really a journey that we, we grow in over, over time. We, uh, over the course of our life, we learn how to interact with time, we learn and approach it differently, we actually prioritize our time in different ways in different seasons of our life. 
And priority, that's really what I, I want us to be thinking about this morning, is how do we learn to value and how do we learn what is of value in order to give our time to, in order to use our time well, in order to pass the time fully and uh, faithfully. And I remember when I first had my very first child, uh, I, I still love movies and film, and I used to go pretty regularly. And I could go when I didn't have kids. Uh, when I was single, I could go a lot. When I was married, I still went a lot. When I had kids, I couldn't go as much. And it, it, even looking back, I know how stupid this sounds, but that was one of the hardest adjustments for me of having a child. But what happened in the course of events over time, God was teaching me that, that there were certain priorities that needed to be viewed differently now. He had entrusted me with this child and other things that, that were important to me at one point. It was time now to decrease its significance in my life in order to increase the significance of being a father and giving time to my family. But that was a painful transition for me. And it took a long time, like years. I mean, it, it was so weird. I said, wow, am I, am I slave to theater? I don't know, maybe. But uh, it was tough. But you know, the, the importance is that we learn how God would have us prioritize our time. And the passage we're going to look at this morning and in these few minutes, it's just to give a very broad framework to help you and me think freshly about the way we approach time, whether you use time or pass time. Uh, it's not a debate on that. It's just how do we faithfully interact with the time that we are given so that our lives might be considered faithful responses to the loving God. Does that make sense? Let's open up in our Bibles to Psalm 90. Psalm 90, 9 Psalm 90 is, uh, the Psalms are broken, divided up into five different books. And Psalm 90 uh, begins book four. It's, they're just the way they're divided, probably to uh, mirror the way the uh, first five books of the Bible are uh, uh, structured out and to give a, a sense of connection and continuity to the, the earliest part of the Old Testament, to this prayer book of the Hebrew people. Psalm 90 begins uh, this, and, and so many of these psalms, if you want to think about how do I praise God, you can begin with Psalm 90 and read the many psalms that follow after that, because it really is centered on God being on His throne, God being worthy of our attention and our focus and our praise, that God reigns, God reigns in His heaven. What does it mean to establish our time priorities? A, a few things we're going to touch on very quickly. But what I want to do is try to build a little frame for you that you might leave here with some further things to think about as you reflect upon the time God has given to you. Number one, and this might be surprising to hear in a church service, is to center your thinking about time on God. Center your relationship to time on God. Verse 1, Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. It describes God as a dwelling place. Literally, He's a refuge. In other words, He's like home to us. In other words, our life is, as human beings find their truest and fullest and deepest sense of meaning, 
only as we are connected in a real and deepening relationship with a holy God. He is from everlasting to everlasting. It's kind of like being in a giant sea where no land is in sight and these gargantuan swells begin to mount up around you. And in that moment, you long for something that's stable, something that's secure, something that's permanent. An island would do, right? Wouldn't that be comforting to know in that? We live in a world today where there is so much change so constantly that many of us reach out for something that's stable, something that's solid and secure and permanent. We long for God, even if that's not the language we give to it. While our lives um, mark uh, the earth uh, as a fleeting existence, God continues because He is forever. He is from everlasting to everlasting. So as we begin, as you begin to think about how God would have you work with your time, use your time, pass your time, engage with time, we begin with knowing that God is forever. And whatever your plans are, submit them to the Lord because He knows far better than you and I do about fulfilling His goal for us. Number one is to center your life in God. Number two is that human life has an expiration date. All of life has an expiration date. We have a limited number of days that you and I will walk this planet. You know, for generations, people have sought out the fountain of youth to try to extend life. And there are many legends and myths that have been born around that journey and that quest. But God says and reminds us today that He is the only forever one. He is the only forever youthful one. He is the one who is from everlasting to everlasting, but not you and I. The book of James describes human life as a mere vapor, a mist. It appears and it fades away in the sense of timing and longevity that your life and mine has an expiration date. It is short-lived. And so the question for us, as we live in our short-run life, if we are connected under an eternal God, we are connected to something far bigger than the short blip of our existence on this earth. And so we turn to God and we remember today that our lives are short-lived. Number three, and finally, is a prayer for wisdom and grace. You see, it's a prayer from short-lived creatures that are offered up to an eternal Creator. This is a prayer from short-lived, short-living creatures offered up to a forever-existing Creator. In verse 12, it says, "...teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom." Hear it again, "...teach us, God, to number our days aright." that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, God, help me to make the most of my precious time. You know, for generations, Jewish people have had a wonderful approach to time, something that God really embedded into their culture. They, for generations, have had annual rhythms, right? In the Scripture, we know that there are annual festivals and worship experiences that uh, God's people were called to come and to gather together to be reminded that it's not just their family, it's not even their, their immediate community, but it's, it's the broad community of God that periodically gathers together to be reminded 
of who God is and to worship Him. It's annual rhythms built into their living. They also had weekly rhythms. You remember that the Ten Commandments uh, make Sabbath-keeping a very high priority. To remember the Sabbath and to guard it and to keep it holy, that it's not to be like every other day. Jesus would come and inform us about the Sabbath. He would say that people, men and women, were not made for Sabbath, but the Sabbath was given to people as their gift to provide to them necessary rest and recalibration and refueling in the Lord, opportunities collectively to rejoice in who God is and what He's doing in our lives. So there are weekly rhythms. But in a Jewish life too, there are daily rhythms. From about 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., for generations, Jewish people looked at their life as those 12 hours, as working hours of engagement hours, engaging in in the needs of life, the uh, growing of crops and the administering of a business or the administration of a government, whatever it might be, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. They would begin, Jewish children are taught, when they roll out of bed before their feet hit the ground, they would be saying a prayer off their lips, the great Hebrew Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your strength, and your mind. Jesus would pick up on that idea, of course. That, that would be the start of their day, 6 a.m. They would run for 12 hours in the day generally, engaged in their work and activity and being productive. And then from about 6 p.m. to 10 p.m., that was a window daily set aside for relationship building within their family, within their community that it was important to understand that God had rescued them as uh, the, the descriptions of the Ten Commandments out of Exodus. God had rescued them for a purpose, and at least one of those purposes was to be careful that in Sabbath-keeping we know that people are not instruments or tools to be used, but we are to develop relationships with them. And so built into their daily life, there was this concept set aside for relationship. And then 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. was sleep. Wouldn't it be good? That sounds good. Eight hours of sleep. <laughs> you know, the American Sleep Foundation says that over half Americans do not get adequate sleep each night for a variety of reasons, and they're plentiful. But sleep. And uh, I love what Charles Spurgeon has done in his uh, devotional life. He, there is a division of what he has given, uh, left behind in his life. Uh, Charles Spurgeon was a pastor in England um, hundred some odd years ago. And he left behind morning devotions and evening devotions. And just like a, a Jewish child would get up and an adult too and pray to prepare themselves for their day, also at the end of the day there's an opportunity to reflect upon the day. So the day begins with prayer-filled, reflect, prayer-filled preparation for what God would want to do in the day to come. God, prepare my heart and my life for what you have in store for me. It may fill my heart with joy this day. It may grieve my heart with sadness. Whatever this day holds for me today, God, may I see You at work in it. May I know Your presence with me through it. Prepare me for the day. And then in the evening, to be able to sit and reflect now upon the hours that have passed and to ask, where has God been? Where did I see God at work today? Where did I see God helping me where I I didn't feel compassion or forgiveness and yet somehow it came into me and through me 
maybe even to someone who didn't deserve it? Where did I see God helping me to love the person that has been so hard for me to love? Where have I seen God at work? Where have I missed seeing God at work? And boy, if so many of us, starting with me, would do this more regularly, beginning our day with a prayer of preparation and ending our day with a prayer of reflection, how much richer would our days be and our time spent with Him? We can spend time in prayer. I have friends who uh, are missionaries in Nicaragua, and they told us uh, when they first arrived over several years of being there, they used to describe in their newsletters a woman named Miss Ruby. And Miss Ruby was known as a woman who set aside her hours to pray. And people in that community knew if you wanted to pray and you needed something desperately to pray, uh, to pray about and needed somebody to pray with you, Miss Ruby was the one to go to. And people would come to her home regularly and they would sit at the foot of her chair and they would ask her to pray with them and for them. And so many wonderful testimonies came as a result of those moments. But you see, as the hands of a clock wind around the face of a clock, Miss Ruby's hands were lifted in prayer to God. So there's so many ways we can engage and appreciate the time God has given us in the midst of our days. There's time and service to Him. There's a man right here in Marin County. He's of a Nordic descent. Many of you know him as Charles Quanvig. I could pull out many other examples in this church, and I see many of them today. But as one example, uh, Charles has been one who loves serving the Lord by serving uh, the physical needs of the church building and uh, using the gifts and the expertise and the experience of his life and putting it into practice and work for the benefit of his people. You see, as the hands of the clock move around the face of the clock, for someone like Charles and many others... Your hands are raised with hammers in them, or with spatulas in them, or with brooms, or with Bibles teaching. In so many ways, there is service in the midst of our time given back to God. And then another example is time together. Time together as the people of God. If a church is to be strong, if a church is to be visible, and if a church is to be as God intends it, it must have people who share regular time together. It is absolutely essential. Togetherness is so important. Hebrews, uh, the writer there reminds us that we should not forsake the gathering of ourselves together because community cannot be formed in a significant and genuine way without actual time shared together. Each day is a gift. No one knows how many they will be granted. One of our questions today as we close is how is your daily attention to God shaping your daily living? How is your attentiveness to God every day shaping the way you interact with the time God has given, the way you are a husband or a wife, the way you are a parent, the way you interact in your workplace with your colleagues or your boss? or your employees, maybe the way you uh, relate to your grown children or your grandchildren, whatever it may be. How is your attentiveness to God shaping your daily living? Another question is how is your time and the use of it, the engagement with it, benefiting God's kingdom and His church? How are you giving back, back to God an expression of your gratitude to Him and exercising the giftedness that God has placed in you? 
The third question is what priority do you place on regularly gathering with God's people so that in the gathering together, in sharing life together, through high times, low times, you can demonstrate with others that God's kingdom really has come to earth. You see, the gospel message isn't just a message that's shared among disconnected people. The gospel message is intended to be embodied by a community gathered together to demonstrate to the world that the kingdom of God really is alive and well on this earth as it is in heaven. That's the end of my notes. We're going to pray. And in this moment, I invite you to consider again how you are interacting with the time that God has given you and then we'll share together in the Lord's Supper. Living God, we thank You for this moment together. We pray that You would guide our thinking and our actions, that they would reflect the deep work that You desire to do in us. May we confess that which inhibits us from engaging fully in the time that You've given us. God, we don't do it out of guilt, but we do it out of gratitude to You for the amount of time You've given us. We know, we know that there are many things in this world that compete for our time, many demands upon us. We know, we know, unlike any other time in history, I think, it seems to me there's been no greater time when so much has been demanded in a regular day. So we need to know how to prioritize our time. We need to know how the reflection of what we give our time to, how it reflects our devotional life to You. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that You would guide each of our hearts in these reflections in the coming week. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen.